Hi, this is Ron Lachanani. And Constantine Kogan, the co-founders of Bullperks and Gamespad, the world's first holistic gaming, NFT, and metaverse ecosystem. That incubates the most impactful crypto gaming projects. We are an edge of NFTs, the podcast that brings the most impactful NFT projects to you. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out about Gamespad's silent partner and canine friend Caesar. Plus, how the Gamespad team goes the extra mile to care for employees in 15 different countries like their family. And how Vesa's incredible artwork is shining light throughout the world. Plus, hamsters, Egyptian pyramids, and stellar giveaways. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a gathering at NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, better, bolder, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Eran El Anani and Konstantin Kogan, the co-founders of Bullperks and Gamespad, the ultimate gaming NFT and metaverse ecosystem. Heran is one of the co-founders of Bullperks and Gamespad, but he's also the founder of Part One Capital, a crypto investment firm and an advisor on multiple crypto projects. He's a serial entrepreneur, seasoned angel investor, speaker, and previous venture partner in a boutique VC and holds a BSc in medicine, computer science, and math. Now, Constantine, he's the second co-founder of Bullparks and Gamespad. He's also a partner at BitBull Capital and founder of AdWevo, as well as a former managing director at Wave Financial. He is an entrepreneur, meta-connector, influencer, blockchain technology enthusiast, and digital asset investor. A top thought leader in hedge funds, IT startups, and venture capital, Kogan holds a PhD in sociology and an MED. Gamespad is a holistic gaming NFT and metaverse ecosystem. It is a one-stop shop for everything. GameFi, metaverse, and NFT that brings together a gaming incubator, game-specific multi-chain launchpad, decentralized venture capital, NFT aggregator, and marketplace, plus has in-house gaming and production studios and much more. Gamespad is the culmination of years of expertise, research, and passion of the professional team committed to propelling blockchain gaming to the mainstream. Constantine, Eran, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. And we had the pleasure to participate in some of your media programs affiliated with your projects too, and appreciated the invite and had a lot of fun. You're really running a professional operation in that respect. And it was a pleasure to participate. Likewise. And also you participated in the research paper that we released regarding the metaverse. Yeah. Very cool project. Yeah. Let's dive into it. But since you mentioned it, what's going on with that research paper and how did people respond? It's caught up a lot of publications, a lot of press, and people respond differently. Obviously, 
Some of them are just exciting because it actually targeting people who are looking at the metaverse and NFT for the first time. Others are pretty negative because of the what's happening with the secondary market. They're saying, oh my God, this is like, it's not even worth talking about. There's not enough of like interest, but it's good. They have an opinion and we respect all type of opinion. That's something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, creating an ecosystem as you guys have done here is being inclusive of all types of feedback. You have a really big vision with this vertically integrated gaming ecosystem with all these different studio partnerships and decentralized deal flow. It's definitely ambitious and creative. Can you tell us how this project came into being? The first project was Bullperks. Constantine and I met through a mutual friend, and we noticed that we had similar visions. We actually invested in some similar projects, and we hit it from the beginning. We wanted to help both retail people. Until then, there wasn't really any options to invest through a platform that is trustworthy and that is public. You had pools that were not anonymous people and people that didn't come from backgrounds with investment background. They were just taking fees from people. That was their own interest. We decided that based on our investment background, that we know how to do diligence project. We will do it for the community and then also provide a platform that is trustworthy and public, that they know who is behind it, as well as help founders, young founders or founders that coming from different backgrounds that don't know anyone or anything in the crypto world. We wanted to help them also with marketing, connections to exchanges, influencers, building how to build communities because it's a totally different world. That's how Bullperks started. In April 2021, we actually launched it. Obviously, we worked on it a few months before. And then we launched a few projects in the gaming and metaverse NFT space. We noticed the trend foremost, to be honest, which is why we started working on Gamespad, which is the gaming metaverse and NFT ecosystem. And it's been great. Now, let's continue. continue. That date sounds very familiar, Ethan. I mean, we started Edge of NFT, I think just the very end of March around the same time. Yeah. First podcast went out at that point. It was like a couple of months of, of generating ideas and putting things together, but everything wrapped <laughs> together pretty quickly. If you did hear that listener, we do have a guest dog on the podcast. What's your dog name? Caesar. Caesar. Is it Julius Caesar or is it like some other Caesar? <laughs> it came with the name from the shelter, but... He behaves like Julius Caesar, so yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot to say. Well, I really resonate with what you're talking about. You know, sort of briefly mentioned the, the kind of like doxed versus undoxed thing that, that goes on here. And that's always been something that's been uncomfortable for me. Like, yes, it's kind of, there's something appealing about being anonymous, but I've never felt comfortable with that. I always want to be like, it's me. Like, I want people to know who I am and what I'm, I'm doing and rest on my reputation as it were. It makes me think of carnival in various countries, you know, Latin America and Europe and so forth. You put in a costume and you get to be someone else and be anonymous. And I think that's great. But those things are good for like a day of the year, but not necessarily a lifestyle. Let's talk about Bullperk's team, a crypto launchpad from our records here, correct me if I'm wrong, has reached 7,355% all-time average high returns on all the deals. This is pretty incredible what you guys have been able to put together. So tell us more about your team and how you've achieved what you have been able to. I'll first make a disclaimer. 
it was during the peak of the market, to be fair. So we want to be very open and transparent that, you know, this is not like a stable, constant thing, like an inside investment advice, right? But yes, if you're talking about like all-time high, we were actually reached even more. I don't want to brag, but it was about like 90, 9,000, 9, something like that. But again, it's a very subjective metric by itself. I think the average one was more important, which was around 4,400. Again, the peak of the market. Now, obviously, it fluctuates, right? Sometimes it's like positive. Sometimes, I'll be frank with you, in aggregate, the average returns from all the projects, which is about like 40, 50 plus, depending on how you calculate, it can be different because of the market fluctuation. So just to make sure we're on the same page, the way it's calculated is from the IDO price, and then it basically now calculates the difference between the current price of the token in aggregate from all the project. You can imagine it. It's a dynamic figure by itself. What is the aggregate today? Actually, it's a good question. I didn't look it up today, but I can look it up for you right now. Give me a second. The average would be minus 34%. If you think about it, like from all the hundreds of launchpads, we are number five, number six in the world depending on on the day yes from out of the hundred when people hear like minus like even small minus of 34 percent they're like oh free oh my god this is like negative investment but in reality if you think about it like it actually makes you consider that there are projects that did extremely well that are actually like still positive from the time you invest and there are projects that obviously are probably not that did well that maybe some of them already bankrupted. And that's also the reality of the venture capital. I'm sure all the people who ever invested in early stage startups understand that 70 to 80% of them are not going to succeed. That's just the nature of the game. And if you're not ready for this, probably you should not be investing in the early stage projects. Our job is to make sure we just try to filter and pick the winners to the best knowledge and to the best intention that we can. Well, appreciate, I think, just again, going back to what I said earlier, that regardless of whatever numbers that we're we're walking through, you're talking through them, you're here, kind of someone that's in any market is sort of in, in participating in the conversation here and trying to lead the way. And it reminds me of someone recently that we collaborated with. I forget exactly who they were. Someone from Sandbox. I checked at their LinkedIn profile and it said, survivor of two crypto bear markets. It's a really kind of a useful thing to point out because those folks that stick around in these times that we're in right now are really the ones that are laying the foundation for the future and are building probably the real outsized returns over the long run and doing things that are mean, creating meaningful value. Yeah. And to put that into additional perspective, I think the overall market is down substantially more than that 30 something percent right now. So I think that's additional context that's important to understand that you have outperformed the market as a whole. And if you were attentive to your choices, probably have had some some nice wins along the way and participating in the gaming economy for a financial return is not for the faint of heart. It's definitely something that you should do with percentage of your portfolio, though this is not, of course, um, investment advice. It's just our thoughts on sort of that side of things. The bottom line is, guys, you created a really holistic ecosystem. And that's interesting to us. 
where we're all about co-creation and community, what's sort of so special about Web3 is how do you integrate gaming, NFT, and the metaverse all together? And you've taken a fairly unique approach. would love for you guys to elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners. Yes, we have a lot of pieces, whether it's the decentralized VC and the launchpad, or whether it's the gaming studios, NFT marketplace, metaverse. It sounds like it's a lot of things, but in the end of the day, they all fit together like a puzzle. For example, based on deal flow that we get as a VC and as a launchpad, we know better than most what's exactly the trends in the markets, what's missing, what's project strength or weaknesses. We see opportunities, for example, for acquisition of projects or studios, which is what we did. We actually acquired free studios to build it, and then we absorbed them and building them in-house. That also brings us to strengths with Metaverse or with the NFT marketplace because we have all those other portfolio companies that we invested or launched that we can link together, bring them their collections, for example, to the marketplace, their assets to the metaverse, and we can collaborate with them. So in the end of the day, it might sound like a lot of different things, but they all seem to work together. And just to add to this, like as you asked before, Ethan, like about talk about a little bit of our team. We now have more than 110 people 15 countries, everyone is like, most of them are decentralized. We have only the studios that we acquire, they have offices just because that was there before. But the core team, which is like 60 plus people that we're like, we actually build like completely decentralized, which we also proud ourselves for. It's not easy. You're talking to different time zones, different cultures, mentalities, etc. But that's the fun part. That's the nature of crypto. People come together and they have the same vision, the same mission, and they kind of, it's fun, it's beautiful. They try to interact. And we build several communities, like different languages. Another strength of ours, I, I suppose, besides obviously English, we have very strong communities in Spanish and Chinese and Vietnamese and Turkish and Russian and many other languages. And we're trying to help others like to kind of invite members like and just to even educate not all of the members of the communities by the way are token holders or maybe they invest but we produce a lot of educational content just as you guys because we believe that we we probably manufactured 100 plus different videos basic one how to just set up a wallet how to just uh, put this chain by the way, I mean, we may get into doing this at some point. We're sort of like such deep nerds that we, we kind of only want to talk about the more advanced stuff. But I think it's really worth pointing out that's hard work, even though it's like it's simple stuff. A lot of people need to learn like to actually just sit down, especially when you're working on more advanced thing and put together a system to put that type of content together. There's rewards in doing it. It's not easy to do. So kudos on, on doing that stuff. I want to shift the direction here a little bit over to the launch of your NFT lottery on your NFT marketplace. What are the specifics of that lottery and how can people participate? Can like our audience participate in that? How does that work? The idea of the lottery that basically any person can just buy some tokens and make a bid between 5 to $10. That's your bids. The rewards, we offer NFTs that are worth hundreds or thousands of dollars and you basically make a bid of five to ten dollars and the person who puts the bid that is the closest and first wins that nft we actually recent we just finished lottery with goblin town 
that the winner, you put a bid of five to ten dollars and you can win a goblin that is worth probably like fifteen hundred or more at this point. So is this wait, just let me clarify what you mean. Is this like the price is right? Where like there's a number between five and ten dollars that like Yes. Oh nice. It's like that. Yeah, it's like the price is right. You don't know what the price is. It's 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 set in a smart contract, so it's not like random. Right. It's like guess how many jelly beans are in the jar kind of fun. Yeah, I like it. That's fun. Those are always fun. Very cool. We do believe those are innovative ways how to attract attention because if you think about it, right now the marketplace is the regular auction model and it's a little bit like saturated. We have so many marketplaces and the differentiator is the actual product, the NFT. So we thought about like that, okay, so how can we kind of bifurcate and how do how can we change something so that it will be more attractive as a mech to participate so that it will be more fun that's another differentiator so we try to think like about things and about the models that are like innovative like even the fact that people can participate like the way i mean we can talk about it later about our nft locker system and even a marketplace that was one of the first that we did in the world probably where people in the gamespad launchpad there they should hold tokens and nft that's probably one of the first experiments in the world that we have that. And then after that, we realize, okay, well, we also need our marketplace to actually, as a proof of concept for a secondary market. That's really innovative. I was just in Vegas. They had this cool sort of NFT quarter machine where you, for 0.08 ETH, you spin the machine and you could either, you could get like a dead fella worth like, quite a lot of money or an NFT, not worth so much. I did not fare well my first go, but it was exciting. You mentioned your NFT marketplace. Let's dive into the details there on what you're doing on the new frontier in that area. It was created in the beginning like because by demand. We have a very vibrant community. So obviously, we sold successfully a lot of our own NFTs, and we realized that the NFTs were the, the first utility was to participate in the deals. That was the first, but we promised, we committed to our community there will be more utilities. Now, obviously, you need to provide people an opportunity to trade it. And we quickly realized that even though people talk about interoperability and you know composability, other like you know those beautiful features, like we couldn't have listed our own NFTs on OpenSea or any other Rarible or any other marketplaces. So we had to, we had to create our own. It's not even like a choice because this is one BSC chain to transfer it. It's like a separate technical nightmare. So we realized, okay, first of all, we have to provide that. That's our commitment to the community. Secondly, we realize. We have, as Aran mentioned, we have so many partnership opportunities. We invested and launched like 70 plus projects. So a lot of them are listing NFTs and they need not only just listed on OpenSea and there will be deaths in the waters, but about like with millions of others. And But they need some activation campaigns. They need people who would trust this concept and actually the utility. And they needed our advice and uh, to even build this utility. So that's how we try to build like different, like even partnership with small collections. Right now, we're thinking about those. And also with big brands, we realize that it's better to launch less, but with better utility. And that's how we're building those different mechanics and models. And I let Aran comment more. Yeah. You're asking about the innovation with our marketplace. One of the things that we're doing right now is we're bringing real-world collections. It's coming up. We also did INOs, which is initial NFT sales. 
from on our platform, which led to the marketplace. When we were planning to do land sales as well on our platform. We keep on innovating. We're adding, we're already supporting all the EVM chains and we're about to add Solana and then Flow and some more. So we keep on upgrading and improving and starting to bring more and more collections. It's good for the collections and for the, those communities as well as for our community. So it's a win-win in that sense. Yeah, I remember early on in the show of production, you know, as it's funny to say this at this point, but we were learning about the ecosystem as we started the show to have all these amazing guests on and hear the perspectives. And we became fast experts, really. And it was surprising to us, you know. But one of the things that was said that was interesting is that the room for NFT marketplaces in the world, in the technology space, People have said there, there could be as many NFT marketplaces as there are websites someday. Whether that's the case or not, it's really about the niche that you support, the audience that you support, that you recognize that you have a very specific client avatar and you're very focused on serving them. And I see you guys doing that, like you have a very specific direction you're going in. Uh, by the way, oh, going back to the, you guys are doing, doing such kind of fun stuff. I appreciate that. There was a show here in Chicago where I live now and I did one, I was in high school called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind. It was like a midnight improv show or whatever. And I don't know if anybody's done this in crypto yet, but you would roll the dice to see how much you would pay to get in. And it would just be like two dice and it was somewhere between two and $12 or whatever. But I love those ideas. What kind of ideas are you integrating into the metaverse that you feel are original and interesting? Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, there are multiple ideas. Obviously, like as Aran mentioned, we, besides the lens sales itself, we are trying to create different experiences, right? You know, we do realize that it's still very early. If you look at the numbers of people who are participating in, like, you know, generally in, like, you know, VR experiences, it's still like the numbers are that they're small, right? You know, so so it, it requires a lot of education. So we realize that the the combination of factors not only have to be like amazing 3D graphics. It has to be the mechanics, the token economy, the token design, the mechanics that will like attract people, number one. Number two, it has to be some kind of interesting activities there, like scavenger hunts, but just inside the metaverse or like, you know, activation campaigns and partnership with big brands. That works because people are still following traditional brands who are offering unique immersive experiences inside the space. That's how we saw like Nikeland, like, you know, we saw Roblox and then the few other big brand sandboxes partner with different brands as well. And that's the only way for now how to attract people. But in the future, we actually believe that the creator economy, the creators, the young people who are like living there, that's digital natives who are creating amazing avatars to provide them the, the open metaverse experience where they will be able to create their own assets and then they create their own worlds like travel, exchange assets, like, you know, create their own rules of the game, like inside the metaverse, those will be the future. Obviously, it's pretty early right now. Uh, so we're very realistic about the business side of things, right? So that's why we're trying to focus right now uh, on the questions, how we will fight with churn rate, retention, and how we will attract users. Yeah, maybe I can add on this. What we did, which so far no one else has done, we're actually paying attention to multiple things. First of all, we partnered with top 3D artists. Revealed the name yet because we didn't release an announcement, but one of the world-leading 
3D artist that is designing our asset. Obviously, we'll have the tech of, of the engine, advanced engine. And then in addition, we'll have inside graphics that better than most, if not any other, will have a very interesting stories. We hired experts from other big studios. And basically, we have a very interesting stories inside the metaverse, multiple stories combined into our world and multiple world that we're going to have. And like Constantine said, we'll have multiple different activities that will attract people. We can't disclose them yet, but it's going to be big. So yeah, we have a lot of things that we're planning and building right now. Stories is something I don't know that I have heard much going on. And I think that's a really interesting direction. It's a deep human connection we have to stories. And also, I like that angle of the scavenger hunts. You know, a friend of mine asked me about, he's not as deep into these things as we are. What's going on with the metaverse? Is this really happening? Like, <laughs> is this just like a fad going on right now? And basically, from my perspective, what I told him is, all these things, what needs to happen is people need to find the unique thing that you can only do there that matters and stop trying to recreate what you can already do. And I think that happens over and over again. We, we come across a new technology and we say, it's like in Zoom here, if we want to, we can make it look like we're in an amphitheater talking to each other, but like, why? Why? <laughs> I want my screen to be big. I want to see your face. Like, this is the advantage of Zoom. I can feel like I'm in front of every person that I'm talking to. Why would I make them farther away just so it can be more real? So I like these unique ways that you're exploring, like, what can you only do in the metaverse, right? And, and how could we leverage that potential? Very cool. Yeah. I love the full breadth and depth of what you guys are doing and how you're experimenting and learning and sort of supporting others that are taking chances in the space and whatnot. I appreciate that you guys, like us, have this authentic approach to sort of just saying what's going on, you know, not sugarcoating the stuff that's not so good and, and not hyping the stuff that's good. And I think that moderate approach to just being an explorer on a journey is logical about such a fast-moving dynamic space in a global macro economy that is unpredictable on top of the world that we live in day to day. We did talk about your roadmap a bit. I'm curious how you guys keep all these pieces glued together. Is there like a giant team meeting that you have every week or month in the metaverse? There's a lot of moving parts here. Obviously, they're synergistic, but synergy doesn't happen without sort of some project management skills. I am kind of curious about how you guys keep this all duct taped or together. That's thanks to the team. We have head of departments for everything and project managers. We're not working with each. I think it's Caesar's the one behind it all, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> silent partner. Although <laughs> not so silent sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We built a company basically relies on its employees. If the employees are not good, the company will never make it. We build a very strong team, a very balanced team, a hardworking team that feels like it's a family. So it's more than just a job for them, which is why just like we're like, we work usually 12 to 14 hours days and they work the same sometimes. When you feel like you're part of something that's growing and developing, when you feel challenged, then you want to give more. Luckily, we built a great team with great people, and we manage them, the head of the departments, they manage the people under them. It's like pyramids. 
in the end of the day, we have like once a month or two, we have company meetings. So you have like 50, 60 people on a Zoom call and everyone talks and everyone asks questions. I mean, one of the things that we found that is very important is communication, whether it's with our team members. So we always op- we have an open door policy so they can always talk with us in addition to those updates that we always give them. And we also have that policy with our community. Sometimes send us private messages, but we also try to do an AMA every few weeks to give them updates of progress and stuff, answer their questions, if they have any concerns, stuff like that. And just to add to this, I think that some of the cool things which we actually, I think, do pretty successfully, we actually send physical presents to our employees. Like, you know, like with the fact that we're decentralized, like it's like we haven't met like probably 90% of our like more even more that <laughs> I actually met quite a few but yeah most of the employees we haven't met physically a lot that means you still have a certain like level of emotional attachment and the different like abstract like understanding of who you're working with it's pure like based on pure execution on one hand but the other hand as Ron mentioned we try to create an atmosphere of family by just like sending videos, like you kind know, of talking to each other, like you know, not doing redundant meetings when we don't need to, right? And then sending physical presents, which is fun, you know, cakes or pizzas or like or any like fun present that others are sharing in our common group, and that creates like a like a fun community spirit because we we cannot just meet physically all of us. It's just logistically hard. We're doing hoodies like as our one year anniversary, and it took us like one and a half month just to ship the items. <laughs> because it's 15 countries and some of the countries are not easy to even send to because they're in different situations like war and etc some of the team members relocated i think another important topic that we would try to stay away from but it's also a sad reality because of the russian ukraine war when russia attacked ukraine basically like a lot of our employees were affected so we had to basically do a lot of logistical help to basically like just relocate them and their families. It took us some time and efforts, but all the team united to kind of support them and to create atmosphere of love and care. So I think that helped a lot. Beautiful. I love this. It's a really great story that outlines that things that I've been passionate about for years, 25 years, when I start to think about like what's important to me in my life, it's like the creator creators and moving that economy forward, but also this ability for us to globally collaborate, right? And move past these, Iran, I think you're either living in Israel or you're from Israel, as we, we established before we started. I remember visiting Israel for the first time and just getting a chance to meet the people on the ground and be like, oh, this is different than what I see on the news. This was many years ago, different news stories, but unfortunately, some of them are similar. But but it's those kind of things, like we're all the same, right? We all have similar interests, just slightly different cultures that are just interesting. But I love that about what you guys are doing and how it's reminding me of those values. Before we wrap up this segment, we're going to get to know you guys a little bit more personally next. Give us maybe each of you a couple projects that you've been following in the Web3 space you think people might like to know about or you just want to give some props to or, or that you admire? There are a lot of projects that we follow. I mean, it really depends. It's hard to be objective here because we invested in a lot of companies. So obviously, a lot of the companies you we invested in and we supported, that's our like our babies. We do have incredible companies which are merging the two worlds, like the physical and the virtual worlds with e-commerce and et cetera. They're, they're successful. We have in our portfolio, obviously by design, a lot of games which are 
early stage games onboarding a lot of users and they're like some of them are more successful when they do some there are less and then just like it's a constant fight i wouldn't be able to pick it's like almost a question like who do you love more from your kids like you know <laughs> pick one you know the sophie's choice that's why it's a little bit challenging i think that's why ron is also like <laughs> not sure what to answer appreciate that <laughs> Without further ado, we could probably move on to the next segment. You guys have dropped a lot of really beautiful knowledge and deep respect for what you're doing. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Let's hear now a bit about you. We're going to transition to Edge Quick Hitters. This is a fun and quick way to get to know you personally a little bit better. 10 questions. We look for just a short, single or few word response, and we can feel free to expand a little bit if we get the urge. We're going to hit you both, so we'll try to be quick. First question, Constantine, prepare yourself. You're going to be the first to answer it as well. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? I think realistically, the first thing that came to my mind, I purchased a hamster and I was hiding it from my parents for a long time. <laughs> they kind of smell, so you probably couldn't hide it for that long. Exactly. I was busted very quickly. So. Aaron, what about you? I started working at a young age, 13, 14. I already went out and worked after school. My parents taught me that if you want something, although I come from a good family and I always, we always had what we needed, but they taught me that if you want something, you need to go out and work for it so you will appreciate it. So the first thing I think I bought with the money that I from work was a stereo system. I was 13, 14. I need a stereo system. Nice. Listen to some great tunes. Awesome. Love it. Constantine, I'm going to hit you back. What is the first thing you ever remember selling in your life? Well, coming back to hamsters, there was my brother and my little like, you know, business. We actually like we bred them. We were selling them on the zoo market. Again, before our operation was busted by the parents because of the smell. <laughs> 
my gosh, this is amazing. I love this. I don't think we've ever had a breeding operation. Like people stick to Pokemon cards or something like that. I like that you I have sold like Pokemon a, cards as well and Magic the Gathering cards as well. But I love that you basically had a small farm. You actually had reproducing animals. <laughs> what about you, Eran? So as I said, I started working at 13, 14. My first job, I was working for like a toys and hobbies store. So that's what I was selling. That's great. Sounds fun. Sounds like you got started with integrating fun into your work life. Not really fun. I was working like a dog as a, at 13, 14. I think it's like slavery. Right. They do tend to take... That is one of the... Sad, that happens all over the world. It's child labor. It's like, hey, man, they don't know the difference. We'll pay them pennies. It's great. <laughs> I just think about how much I was paid back then. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> All right. This time it goes first to Iran. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Dog food for Caesar. Only the best for Caesar. And what about you, Constantine? I actually bought my mom a pretty expensive and good bag for her, her birthday. There you go. Was it digital? Did it come with an NFT? No, not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah, there you go. Slowly but surely. Uh, my mom doesn't have an NFT yet either, but we'll get her there. What is the most recent thing you sold, Constantine? I actually remember. I actually, about one and a half, maybe two years ago, I sold a domain, which was bitcointreasuries.com. And I didn't plan to sell it, but I got it like all of a sudden, it gets a lot of traffic. So I optimized it in SEO very quickly. And it hit up when the news with MicroStrategy and others was popular. And basically, it got like thousands and tens of thousands of organic traffic. And somebody offered me to a good price. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? I'm not, I don't want to maintain it. So I'm going to sell it. Too bad Jeff is in here. That's his thing. Domain names, flipping, man, he'd be salivating. He'd love that one. There's a lot of ENS name flipping going on on Twitter lately that I've been seeing. It seems to be like a fun hobby for some folks. What about you, Aran? Honestly, I can't really remember what I sold. I mean, I'm a long-term holder. I'm not a flipper. <laughs> Whatever I collect or then I just give it for charity. I mean, when I moved an apartment, I just gave all my furniture and all my clothes and everything to charity. So I'm not really a seller. You look good with whatever clothes that you uh, decided to hold on to. Thank you. <laughs> this one, we'll go back to Constantine. What is your most prized possession? My most prized possession... Wow. I you know I have to prepare for it, but <laughs> I'm trying to remember what was my answer. I wouldn't call the prize possession, but recently I, a Renaissance Fair, which is uh, happening in New York, I bought a leather armor of a Hungarian warrior. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, honestly, but it's just such a fun thing to have, like a random thing. You're definitely doing something sexual with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Trust me, it's not convenient to do anything sexual. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just had to say it. What about you, Aran? What is your most prized possession? Sounds kind of like a question on a dating site. Like she asks you what car you drive or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think Caesar is my most prized possession. That's what I figured. See, I thought Constantine would say something about a hamster, but... We missed that opportunity. All right. The next thing would be, we'll go back to you, Erhan. If you could buy anything in the world, digital physical service experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? Well, I mean, obviously I like money, but I'm more of an experienced guy, less materialistic. So I'll probably go with experiences, although I do love yachts and boats. Maybe a yacht. Any specific experience? Yeah, maybe. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. I could have traveled the world with it. That would be nice. Sounds great. Constantine, what about you? If you could buy anything in the world, digital physical service experience currently for sale, what would that be? Well, I didn't research kind of a sale, like, like spiritual experiences. I would, but the first thing that came to mind from experience is I would probably buy a space travel, like a commercial space travel from SpaceX or whatever the company in 2023, 2025 will offer it. I would do that. Yeah. Very cool. I wonder if we should ask each of you this question for the other person, but we won't change the rules. Starting with you, Constantine, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? That's easy. Empathy. Iran? I'm very analytic. Brains, that I'll definitely pass. But also maybe my sense of humor. You can pick only one. Those two go together. (laughs) I'm cheating. There you go. Those are a good combination. Definitely can see how you guys became partners. And while we're at it, Iran, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be besides cheating? Impatience. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of patience. I would love to have that or develop more of it, but definitely I wouldn't give it to my kids. I'm sure Constantine is empathetic to your lack of patience. What about you? What would you eliminate if you had to eliminate one of your personality traits for the next generation? Probably being impulsive. Sounds good. Our imaginations will run wild with the p- things you've been impulsive with. We won't ask for details. <laughs> I told him to buy a board ape a few minutes ago and he already bought it. <laughs> nice. I guess we've already witnessed there's there's hamster sales without your parents' permission and leather suits at the Renaissance Fair, all kinds of things. All right, next question's an easy one. We'll go back to Ahan for this one. Uh, What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Work. I mean, as I said, work 12, 14 hours, days. That's what we do before. That's probably what we'll do after. Not that interesting. I prefer to call it getting shit done because it could be work and fun at the same time. Just getting shit done. Constantine, what were you doing right before joining us on the podcast? I mean, you can imagine like very, very similar thing, right? So it's like, it's not like Iran is doing work and I'm having fun, but that's, that's not not the balance. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. Well, you see, I'm, I'm in the ether. I'm already like in the good vibes. So my work is actually, I pray for our company. That's part of my like work. Sure. I hear that. He visualized and I do the work. Yes. That's how we basically work. (laughs) That makes sense. Think and grow rich, right, guys? (laughs) All right. Last question for both of you. We'll go back to Constantine. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Actually, I might go to the cemetery. I won't disclose for what reason, you know, but yes, that's the plan. All right. Interesting. We've never had that one. Good to hear it. What about you? What are you going to do after the podcast? Going to walk my dog for his evening walk and then probably work some more. All right. That dog's getting a lot of attention, food and love. So we're very happy about Caesar's life. That's our quick hitters, but we do have actually a bonus question here. I understand maybe there's some things that you're doing outside of the profit motive recently, and I'd love to give you a chance to mention some fulfilling things that you've done in the past year. What's the most fulfilling thing that that you guys have been up to? Constantine, I'll kick it over to you. Oh, wow. Fulfilling. Even the question, like the concept of fulfilling, it requires more <laughs> clarification. 
if you're talking about like emotional, that's one level. Like if you're talking about for me, the most fulfilling is spiritual experiences because they're the most meaningful to me. On the plane, this level of this kind of atmosphere, like I think recently we did a very important thing about the charity. We actually organized a charity campaign for Ukraine. We did several, like, you know, and we worked on a big one, much bigger one. But now we did a first experiment in our marketplace. We actually auctioned a physical painting of a famous Ukrainian artist and it was sold out. So the person who bought it actually has the rights for the painting and all the proceeds will go to humanitarian needs. And we are going to do more of these activities because we company, we believe that it's not only about like making money, but it's also you have to give more. I think I'm proud of this activity and that was pretty fulfilling. That's awesome. Erhan, is that the same for you or anything else you want to add? Yes, the benefit of success and making money is not just owning possessions, but rather being able to support and help others. I recently supported a few friends that suffered because of the war or needed to relocate or all kinds of other stuff. That's a great one to end on. We might have to throw that in there for others too. It's very inspiring. All right, we're going to move on to hot topics now, next segment, and we're going to bring a special guest on. You may have friends in common, actually. Today's hot topic features VESA a repeat guest on the show, an award-winning digital art pioneer for 14 years. He innovated his own mixed media process in 2008 and has been full-time in the crypto art and NFT space since 2017. He's considered to be a leading early artist building the metaverse and NFT expansion, being among the first to enter in the earliest stages. In 2013, his digital art project with actress Vina Malik reached around 300 million people with critical acclaim. Vesa, welcome back to Edge of NFT. It's great to see you here. And wow, you have a beautiful art piece in your background as well. The listeners should check out the video. How's it going? Thank you so much, Ethan, and pleasure to be with you, Josh. Get to know a little bit about your project, Constantine and Iran. Having a very interesting day. Actually, today was the Future Innovation Summit here in Dubai. And we spent the day over there. And then we went back to the gala dinner where I was just on stage a while ago, I got to present a new project that we're doing here. And then, you know, now it's one o'clock, one twenty in the morning for me. So it's been quite the experience and it's been really great. And now it's going to be even better joining you guys for a bit to talk about some inspiring stuff. So pleasure to be with you all. Nice. You're always joining us in the middle of the night. Yeah. So guys, Bessa was one of our first guests on the show back in April of 2021. And We had to wake him up in the middle of the night then. I think it was like two or three in the morning in London at that time. He's become a a friend of ours, a friend from afar. We, We have not had the pleasure to meet in person. I hope that changes for NFTLA. But for those that haven't listened to the show since the very beginning, I think this was like one of the very first episodes. And I remember distinctly sort of the crash course in the history of digital art that that VESA gave us in our listeners that I found fascinating. And what a year it's been when we talk about pioneers. Certainly what Constantine and Iran have been doing has been pioneering ecosystem development in gaming. What you've been doing is pioneering ecosystem development around fine art and collaborations with all sorts of interesting people. What are your reflections from this year that some of the highlights, at least, that you'd like to sort of share with all these different audiences that you encounter globally? 
I suppose we had a while ago this Twitter Spaces conversation about utility of NFTs altogether. And I think that's been a slight obsession of mine. I'm originally a filmmaker, was educated as a director. And then in 2008, I kind of I started body painting on people and helping them go through these sort of cathartic processes and recording that on photography and then playing with paint and doing macro photography and putting it all together with Photoshop. So those resulted into these high resolution files that were the artworks already back in 2008. They were a little bit difficult to kind of monetize in the traditional art world before NFTs. So this is why I was so ready for them back in halfway through 2017 when I entered first crypto art and that led to NFTs very quickly. I had to make different kinds of things in the physical world out of the digital art in order to try and monetize them and paint on top of the canvases. Then that led for me to do this experiment with a print company in Helsinki where we made this whole room made out of art and everything, all the benches and couches, whatever. And some of those artworks ended up being wrapped Ferrari here in, in Dubai. And then that led to building now with seven different metaverse companies and everything in between, like this 360 incredible room that we are kind of collaborating here called Art in Space. But the highlight definitely for me has been this art car project because there's a guy here in Dubai called Dr. Marwan Alzaruni, and he's the CEO of the Dubai Blockchain Center. I think Cointelegraph named him something like the 86th most influential person in blockchain or something like that. But he's an incredible guy and a super geek. And basically, uh, when I first started coming here a couple of years ago, as a side mention out of many things that we discussed, I showed him this picture of a Tesla and that I made into a mock-up art car. I didn't think anything of it. And then I went sell back home to Helsinki for a bit. And then Dr. Marwan gave me a call a little bit later, which was maybe two months after. And he said, hey, Vesa, I've bought 19 cars. And we will be making them into NFTs. All right. There you go. You're running with the right crowd here, I think. <laughs> Part the reason why I really love Dubai. It's, uh, some of the things that are possible here are just pretty incredible. And that led it to, for me, thinking about this utility thing in a different kind of way. Because first, when you see these cars, because we now have the sole process of how to make them street legal. So people can't make full-blown street legal art cars unless if they come through us. So it's a completely new thing. And it was quite the thing for Dr. Marwan to go through the bureaucracy in order for us to be able to kind of get through all the paperwork and licensing in order to do that. But what it led to is that first people look at the car and they see, oh, that's fancy. So is it a wrap? And they think still that the car itself is the thing that is of value. But then when you start to understand that it's the licensing and we can paint on top of the wraps to make them unique. And that's a whole nother thing. So is the artwork more valuable than the car, depending on the car, of course, but then maybe not so much in the future. But we wanted to implement then an augmented reality feature so you can point your mobile on the car and the artwork comes alive. And that's the one that we haven't actually solved yet because of the sort of geolocation thing is a little bit tricky still when you're mapping out a three-dimensional object like that. But we started building with this company called Zoan which is a Finnish virtual reality company, they have this super cool metaverse world called Cornerstone Land, which is a departure at that time already from the sort of Lego land looking places. So it was photorealistic and absolutely beautiful. And I met the CEO, Mika, and we started building together. And they said, hey, we could do the three-dimensional parts of those cars. We could have the NFTs like made beautifully so they have a digital counterpart. That led into an idea that what if it was a game? What if it was an art car race? where people could actually race these cars who get those assets and, and then win potentially prize money. And what that really became, this is why it's so important to me that it was uh, Dr. Marwan's Tesla that became the first street legal art car, is that 
I was so inspired by Elon Musk to begin with, because when I realized that the Tesla is not the car, it's actually an education towards how we're going to transform the transportation system and electricity grid of the world to function in a different kind of way. What these cars now became is like an educational vehicle that takes you to the metaverse. And essentially, we're taking liabilities, we're turning them into multi-leveled assets that can earn you potentially residual income through the races. We just sort of started stacking value on top of another in this way, and it became such a fun process. But we don't know where it's yet going to go because we haven't even sold a single one. We haven't put them to the market yet. It's a very new thing. Well, Constantine and Iran would like to each buy one, I think. They're right. Right? Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, just take a pick up your wallet. Should be good. I'm thinking about moving to Dubai. So maybe. <laughs> there you go. Welcome, as they say over here. <laughs> this is really a groundbreaking stuff. I forget the explicit words you said, but it's something like, it's a little bit difficult to do. Right. I feel like that's kind of a lot of the things that you're working on. Right. I mean, it's kind of the nature of, of what we're up to. And that's really cool to hear. Did we get a chance to get into the census project that you're working on as well? We'd love to hear a bit about that. Give a little, just a snippet so the listener knows that that's going on as well. There's a lot. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. When I get on a roll, there's a lot to say. So <laughs> yeah, the census project is because of, like I said, back in the day in 2008, when I started these body painting processes, I, I often just took some photography, like more of these kind of sensual black and white photos and whatever. And over the now the 14 years that I've been making them, I kind of selected over the summer because I was a little bored to be, to be honest, best 60 of those photos and started infusing them with paint to have this a little bit more of a light sort of expression than what usually I do with the full-blown body art pieces because they're heavy going and take quite a lot of resources and everything. So I wanted to do something light and the juxtaposition of sometimes because the models went through quite heavy cathartic processes and some of their energy can be a little dense. So then when you take something super happy and great with paint, something that makes them vibrant and the juxtaposition of that was something that I really loved because you look at something like Clockwork Orange or whatever, some of these masterpiece films where you have this ultra violence happening whilst there's beautiful classical music happening. And then that starts to feel like something that is close to an artistic thing. Not all of those pictures are by any chance in the sort of negative or processing heavy. There's also some super beautiful and just joyous images. That was the cathartic thing that I started feeling like this juxtaposition was fun and then doing something light. So it became a project and something that I can do with influencers. Like for example, we're doing this project together with Brittany Kaiser, the Cambridge Analytica whistleblower. So where I took one of the images from that thing to kind of showcase that with the census thing, we can also really collaborate with people who have large audiences and turn some of their what they're inspired by and do photography and then see where that leads to. But it's another avenue just to explore and have some fun. Yeah. I wanted to hear what's cooking with Superworld. I know you've you've been collaborating with them for a while, but how's, how are things going in Superworld with Vesa? Oh, that was great. We actually released a um, sort of virtual reality gallery. It was something that I was super inspired by as a structure is the Luxor temple in Egypt. I came across the work of John Anthony West, this very famous Egyptologist who passed away a while back and we became friends and I body painted his daughter and I got to learn a lot in the process of this. I'm a bit of a pyramid head Egypt freak. It was something that was a lot of fun and he just illustrated how the structure was built into the shape of, of a person. And the structure itself is that the Pharaoh, sort of how 
he or she goes from birth to transcendence throughout the structure is that it tells the story on how to keep society together in a coherent way through the enlightened king, essentially. It was just such a mind-blowing concept that you would write the whole of the human journey into the structure and how that would infuse into how to keep the society around you coherent. I just thought, and it's all through art at the same time. So I thought that was wonderful. And never in a million worlds, I couldn't have imagined ever to make an exhibit there physically, even though maybe that's possible. But in this particular way, we 3D modeled the Luxor Temple, and then we made it my personal gallery. So it's infused with my art altogether. And have that as a scene and setting. I mean, obviously, it's quite vast as a space. Now, with a click of a button, I can send it all over the world and people can buy the NFTs directly from that location. So it's it was really beautiful. And I'm deeply humbled and grateful because we took two years to make it. And it was really important that we get it right. And it actually honors the culture and the substance of that building so that it's not just a haphazardly sort of taken out of context. Oh, that looks pretty. And then put art there. Not like that. We really took our care. And I'm super happy that the Super World team got that and they, they took the time. It's so great to catch up with you and, and learn how you continue to be a pioneer. It's been a fun show to have like three incredible pioneers on at the same time. Guys, if you ever have a chance to collaborate with Vesa or visit him in Dubai, I would definitely encourage you to do so. Yeah, sounds interesting life of an artist. I mean, I think if I came to someone and told him that I want to body paint his daughter, probably be chasing me with a shotgun. But <laughs> John was a special guy. He's the one who pimped his daughter to me, actually. I didn't even ask. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a good one. You were going to wrap up with us. Unfortunately, we could all hang out with that. We should just like go to Dubai. And he's always with us in the nighttime when all the dreams and whatever is just right on the edge of philosophy. But we have to wrap up the segment. We do have a giveaway from you, though, Vesa, I believe. Do you have any details you want to share on that? Or should we just say, you can check out the details on the socials? Well, yeah, this artwork behind me is one of the, from the census series. And I picked, I picked three of them, one to donate to the great edge of NFT show as a token of gratitude to being with you guys again. And two of them kind of mint on super rare. And then there were a couple of tasks that we set together for your audience and what they could do to help retweet some stuff. And then we're going to give away two of these census series works out of the 60 that have been accumulating since 14 years, just devaluing them at two ETH at the moment, because I, I also wanted something that would be very accessible to the market and something that can start to now in the bear market accumulate something interesting to kind of do a run up towards the next bull. This is such a generous gift to us and to our audience. And we're truly honored by what you're offering here. For those of you listening that don't know who Vess is. I think if you if a quick Google search or some of the show links, you realize that this is a true pioneer in the physical and digital art space, is doing incredible work throughout the world. And you know, a lot of the conversations around NFT space are focused on artists that live in the US. Now that's what we need to understand is that some of the most incredible artists in the space are global citizens. I just got back from Singapore and Seoul, and there's tons of amazing art happening there. There's amazing art happening in Europe, amazing art happening in the Middle East and other parts of the world, of course, just like physical art scene. So I hope we can bring 
more of those artists to NFTLA to shine the light on what they're doing in, in our conference, but also it's our hope to sort of highlight these artists on the show as well. So thank you for all you're doing in the space. Thank you for joining us again and hope to see you IRL very soon, my friend. Yeah. And make sure you share with people where they can go to find out more about you and what you're up to. Yeah, it's uh, artforcrypto.com is a good source for a bunch of things. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm art by Vesa, V-E-S-A, and you can find me there. And thanks, guys. Super humble to be with you all and real pleasure. Thank you. See you soon. Talk soon. Hope to see you again very soon. All right. We'll, we'll start wrapping the show up right now. Man, this has been a really inspiring one uh, with lots of cool folks. Just before we do the closing outro, we'd love to give Constantine and Arana a chance to give a shout out to someone that might be meaningful to them. Did you guys have anybody in mind that you want to give a shout out for? I think we should thank who did the introduction for us and brought us to the show. So I would like to thank Anastasia from Cointelegraph for doing the introduction and getting us acquainted with you guys. So you came to us, we came to you. So thank you very much, Anastasia. We appreciate the gesture. Very cool. Yeah, we'll mention her on our socials. I've only met her in person a couple of times, but from what I, she's just like a ball of energy, like super positive person. It's so fun to be around. So yeah, I'm glad we got a shout out for her. Constantine, anybody special for you? You want to mention? Since Iran stole the Anastasia shout out, right? So, so basically, actually, I thought about it. Now that he mentioned like of all the people who actually united us, like, and I want to do a shout out from Alexander Karpova. She actually connected us like with them, myself and Iran. She's now head of marketing in Titan Mining, right? And she's been in crypto space for years and you know her for years. And I think it's very important. It all starts with someone who connects people. And I think it's really important to acknowledge those. As Iran mentioned, Anastasia connected us and now we're doing this amazing show. We're really grateful. We hope that we will connect other people and they will do business together. That's the beauty of sharing and caring. You know, That's what it's all about. Who knows? Maybe you guys collaborate with Vesa at some point in the future. That would be bring the whole circle together. Exactly. We should definitely talk. I'm planning to be in Dubai in November. I'll be happy to meet you in person and see. Perfect. Would love to. Very appropriate shout outs, a very appropriate crew we brought together. Generously, Gamespad and Bullperks are also doing a giveaway from the show. I have down here $500 plus 10 whitelist spots in any IDO on Gamespad. And we'll put our details out on our socials about how to get involved with that. Anything else you need to clarify with that one? No, I think it's straightforward. I mean, the instructions will be obviously posted. Like we just ask people to follow our the Twitter, the subscribe on the Telegram channel, Telegram chat. And then again, it's not because we need the followers. It's just because we want people to start understanding and to share ideas because we have a very good community. People like share a lot of thoughts about the project so you can learn and about the project from our chats. Perfect. And lastly, just to get in the community to sort of follow you guys, socials or links you want to share before we wrap up. I think you're going to do it in description. So the thing that I will say, like Konst Kogan and Iran will say EE underscore profile is not going to help a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. That sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it, these are easily Googleable things, Gamespad. And ballpark, so people can find those very easy. So thanks a lot, guys. We're going to wrap it up. We appreciate your time and hanging out. We know we're a little bit over on what we promised on the schedule, too. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. 
listeners and you can invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us, say something awesome. Go to edgevnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And that's a newly refreshed and branded website. So it should be fun to check out. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces. Start a fun conversation with us online. And of course, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thank you everyone for joining us and sharing this time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Joshua. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now. Rate us and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.